sometimes when you can see just dark around you, when you finally get some time to look back on it, you'll just see that that was the outlining of the clouds, kind of the silver lining, so to speak, that it's hard to go through those scenarios. But when you get some time and some distance from the hard parts of life, you see that it was there for a reason. Welcome to Start the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Join us today again from Franklin, Tennessee. My good friend, Chris Murphy from ShovelCloud.com. Hey, Chris. What is up, Star of the Doubters? How you doing, guys? <laughs> you know, Chris, you and I have been friends for a long, long time. So I thought today would be kind of fun for us to just chat a little bit, think through a few things. And yeah, I don't, I don't get to do this very often. So I thought, hey, let's do it today. So Chris, the first thing that we're going to do is a little exercise and just being on the fly. All right. The, the question, I, I happen to know that you are an enthusiast of The Walking Dead. I am indeed. Yes, that is true. So you and I are interested in in this online business stuff, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, being good stewards, you know, those types of things. Sure, sure. Blah, 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 blah. All those good things. Yeah. And and so I thought it'd be kind of fun, Chris, to put you on the spot. And let's see if you can glean some takeaways from The Walking Dead that would (laughs) apply to people that are interested in starving the doubts. Ooh, I love that. Are you talking about more in general, like from a, a canon-wide perspective of the entire series? Is that what you're discussing here? or It could be canon-wide or it can be, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm curious to see where you go with this. Well, okay. I, you know what? I do have a, have a thought. The very first episode, I'm not going to give away many spoilers unless you've never seen the show. And if so, you could probably get the gist of this with turning it on for 10 or 15 minutes of the first episode of the first season. So... No spoilers here, uh, just in case our listeners have not participated in The Walking Dead. But I thought it was interesting the way that they kind of started the series was the main character kind of wakes up and has no idea where he is. And he slowly over time has to figure out that the world that he's now in was not the world that he thought he was in just before. Like when he came to consciousness, he's in a whole different reality than he was when he last was conscious, if that makes any sense. And so I think for the Star of the Doubts listeners out there, it is very similar that one day you're kind of walking along and you are kind of observing life how you think that it is. And then something happens. This piece of inspiration crosses your Facebook page or you hear a friend say something or an event in your life happens that kind of alters everything. And through that series of events, it really does change your life from something that you thought, okay, I thought life was going to look like this. And now here I am. My reality is very different, and there's no way I can go back to the way that I was before. How about that? So, yeah, boom. And let's get specific here, Chris, because I'm interested in hearing this myself. What's something from your experience, a very specific example, where you've uh, gone through what you just described? And I tell you what, I've been married for several years now. And then we love Terry. Terry's been a guest on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Terry and I have been married since 2000. And when we first got together, we were both in college and we fell in love and I was on a track to become a youth pastor at a church. And, you know, for years leading up to going to school, I had influences from youth pastors and people at church that really like made a difference in my life. And so I kind of wanted to give that same life and leading and helping people back. And that's what I wanted to do for my world. So I actually went to school to be a youth pastor, basically 
uh, you know, I think I like playing guitar and going to lock-ins and doing all that kind of stuff. So that just seemed like a cool lifestyle. But after Terry and I got married, we were wrapping up college. And one of the things that we decided to do was she was closer to graduating than I was when we were married. So I worked to help her finish school. And then she was going to kind of turn around and find a job to do the same thing. And so after, you know, being married and being in college, it was difficult because the funds weren't coming in. So that's just a a sacrifice that we both had to make. We both couldn't afford to be in school at the same time. Right. Uh, So to make a long story short, she graduated from school in chemistry and was trying to figure out what she wanted to do. She was thinking about going off to University of South Carolina and getting her becoming a doctor, teaching chemistry. But she also heard that the Air Force at that point was could use chemists and scientists and she could go ahead and start working in her field rather than going back for another four plus years to get a doctorate degree. Uh, and so we weighed those pros and cons. Uh, we signed on the dotted line. And within two months of her graduating from college, again, at this point, we'd been married about a year uh, and a half or so. She went into the military. And from there, we didn't know what was going on. We were just kind of in for the adventure and in for the ride. So when she finished up with school, her officer training school, they stationed us in Los Angeles. And if you guys know Jared's story a little bit, uh, Jared and I actually met in uh, Alabama, in Montgomery, Alabama, years ago, uh, right out of high school into college. And that's kind of where Terry and I started dating as well. Uh, So I grew up in Alabama, other than spending a little bit of time in college in Florida, uh, I grew up in uh, my whole life was in Alabama. So out of nowhere, uh, within just a few months, like from the beginning of the summer to the end of the summer, we went from being residents of Prattville, Alabama to living in Los Angeles, California. And it was a huge out of nowhere. (laughs) You know, I can remember us driving in on rush hour on a Friday afternoon with just 10 lanes per side of the street, just like, what did we get ourselves into? This is crazy. So yeah, that's a kind of a a, trying to make it as quick as possible, but uh, that really turned my life around because, you know, I was on a pursuit to become a minister and within a few months I'm living in Los Angeles. And so my pursuits then turned to from doing kind of ministry work to uh, going back and finishing my degree. And I ended up doing it only because we lived in Los Angeles. I got my degree in theater because I was living out there and I thought, hey, I, I can be an actor. I can do this kind of stuff. Along with every other 20-something, we were all going out to LA <laughs> to do the same thing. So then within about a six-month period, I went from being a, a youth pastor at a church and going to school for that to changing my degree into uh, theater and living in Los Angeles and uh, going to the beach and surfing every day. <laughs> which i'm sure god was still pleased with uh, but I, I remember you know we grew up in alabama you mentioned that and when you told me yeah we're terry and i are moving to la my first thought was oh that's awesome just a few hours away in lower alabama because that's kind of the joke is la means lower alabama Absolutely. but you were really moving to la that was kind of a dumb joke but i remember <laughs> being an alabama person I, I thought that no believe me every everybody that we told thought we were saying the same thing they all thought oh where, where's that mobile <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a beach there too yeah yeah i don't know if they have surfing and 10 lanes of traffic in mobile <laughs> You hit on something there. You talked about the beginning of The Walking Dead and how uh, you wake up and then things are a little bit different. So that was a big difference for you going out to California from Alabama. And and then, of course, you got all the complexities of school and your wife being in a new job. And then you guys are are still somewhat newly married at that point. What, two, three years, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that's a lot going on. That is a new chapter. 
So yeah, let's stick with The Walking Dead because I like The Walking Dead. One takeaway that I was thinking about is the idea that it seems like people that really screw themselves on the show, Chris, Mm -hmm. are impulsive. Like they just make irrational decisions. They get pissed or they something happens or they're upset or this knee jerk reaction. And then they run off into the woods and and then they get captured or they get bit or they're murdered or something horrible happens. And that's not always the case, but it does seem to be a recurring theme throughout each season where bad things happen when you just be impulsive. And then, so I think a takeaway there for people from Star of the Doubts is cooler heads prevail, man. Keep your cool. Uh, have a plan. <laughs> Don't just rush into something. I know there's been times when you and I've been guilty of just rushing into projects and the next thing you know, none of them worked out or none of them you know, were developed properly or, or they failed. And it wasn't because the idea wasn't reasonable. It was just because eh, we just rushed into something and didn't really consider all the aspects and think through all the angles. And I think there's a time and place for being spontaneous, but I also think that uh, and there's times when life calls for spontaneity. I, I totally sure. uh, in agreement with that, Chris. But I also think that the people that seem to make moves and have wins and big wins are strategic. They're smart. They are planning it out. They're not rushing into anything. And so that's not advice to slow you down. But it's also hopefully a word to say you don't necessarily need to just jump into something. You need to really think through it and then make a plan and then move on accordingly. No, I think that is really wise. For those of you listening, it's beginning hard to count all the times that I've had to come back and apologize to Jared for the ideas that were amazing and sounded really hopeful, but then kind of petered out. So it's one of those things where I feel like I'm Mr. Spontaneity because I get an idea and it sounds amazing. But then you have to go back and when life starts to settle in and the the details start to kind of weigh out the, again, like what you're saying, the pros and cons of, of doing a certain thing or going a certain direction, it is difficult. I absolutely agree, man. I think that that spontaneity or kind of flying by the seat of your pants can come back to haunt you. And I think that if someone does look like that they are good at flying by the seat of their pants, there usually is some experience there that goes deeper than just somebody making a quick decision and it happens uh, automatically for them. There's probably a lot of life lessons that have led them to a point where they can be more, they can take more risks on the fly, so to speak, because they know what the risks are and they can kind of navigate that world without falling into the traps as easily. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's stick with that just for a moment. So I know that you've studied improv and you, uh, while you might not consider yourself professional by any means compared to you know some of the great folks out there that do that, there are some strategies and some different formats and frameworks that you work through when you study improv sure. that help you to be better on your feet and to be spontaneous. And so some of these folks like these comedians who get up there and they can be in these situations and just run with it. And it's absolutely hilarious. Part of that is because they are spontaneous. But another part of that is because they just really know the rules and they've practiced their craft for a long time. Right, yeah. So that when they're in that moment, it is second nature to them. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, you could go back and say the example that I grew up watching, which is Michael Jordan or the current example of Steph Curry and seeing how they're able to look like they can make these split second decisions. But the reason that they can be so successful is because they probably made that 10,000 hours worth of decisions that could have been right or wrong, but they learned from those mistakes and it led them to a point where they just look flawless in those moments where most people would kind of crumble under their pressure. Yeah. And the current season of Walking Dead, they're living in a place called Alexandria. I don't think that's too much of a giveaway sure. for anyone who hasn't watched it, but 
the way they got to Alexandria and the way that they've been able to stay there and have the success that they've had there is because of the lessons that they've learned in the previous seasons and the experiences that they've had. It's not their first rodeo, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They, and, and I think that's a, a practical life application for Star of the Ballots is the more you do, the more experience that you develop and what you feel compelled to pursue, the, the more competent you are, the, the better you are, the, the more stability that will come as you are strategic and as you're wise and as you practice what your craft is. And I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, I think that that, again, has a pretty direct tie into The Walking Dead. Going back to the story that we started off the podcast with and talking about Rick, the main character, waking up to this new reality that everything, every time he came around a corner or saw a different person or being out there, everything was a new experience for him. So it was all confusing. He didn't know what to make of it because he came to consciousness in this new light of this new world from a place where everything was new and confusing and different than what he thought was reality. But over time, now six seasons in, he's again, the whole cast at this point has gotten to a point where you're right. They've had to live in this reality now for a long time. And so, yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. There's not their first rodeo anymore there. You know, every day in every scenario with a lot of people dying around them, they have to learn these examples. It's literally do or die for those folks. Luckily for me and you dealing in content marketing or online businesses or podcasting or creating conferences, there may be some high stakes, but at least it's not literal life and death, or at least most days it could seem like that, but (laughs) some of the days it could seem like that, but it's, it's not really that way uh, when it comes down to it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. I, can I pray for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. All right. Uh, that was the former youth pastor. You know, I appreciate that. Yeah. That part of you is not gone. Hey, so, Chris, I'm going to throw one out to you here, and, and I'd love to hear your take. Uh, one of my favorite characters, and I know from talking with you, this is one that you enjoy and appreciate as well, is uh, Daryl. Daryl, for those of you who don't know, is a, I, I think it's safe to say he's a, a redneck. Uh, how would you describe Daryl? No, Chris? I think that's uh, pretty pretty true. I think that if Daryl wasn't in The Walking Dead, he could probably very easily find himself in the Sons of Anarchy series. Just kind of, a, you know, a guy that I don't think he's ever owned a sleeve in his life, much less a jacket to put over it. But yeah, he's, he's a guy that gets by by his street smarts and his cunning. But I would probably echo that redneck sentiment as well. Right. And if he grew a beard, he could probably be on like Duck Commander or something. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So what is a trait of Daryl that you think is applicable to start with outs? A trait with Daryl that I think is applicable. Hmm. Yeah. You're throwing me some cool curveballs here. I think that Daryl is again, I said a second ago with his street smarts, he's resourceful, but again, he's had to learn from the hard knock school of life as well. And so I think with Daryl, I'd love to hear your take on this as well, that he's had to learn to be resourceful because if he doesn't, that means his butt, man, he's, especially in the world that he lives in now, it is do or die. But I I think that probably before the world in The Walking Dead turned the way that it was, that he probably had a pretty hard life that he had to learn from or he would get left behind quickly. And I think that with this online path that many of us here, I know, Jared, you and I and many of us listening as well, that we really have to be resourceful because every new day is a new scenario that you don't know what's going to happen. So just like Daryl, sometimes you have to get crafty. And I'm not saying you have to be two-handed or two-faced or you have to step on your fellow man to get what you need. 
because Daryl, sometimes he has to get what he wants. And that sometimes comes at the peril of other folks. But like Daryl, we have to be resourceful and figure out if we're going to make a go at this or make a living at this or become successful, that man, it takes a lot of tools in that toolbox. So, you know, Daryl may be good with the with the crossbow, but he's got to learn how to wield a knife and a rifle and all those kinds of things to make it work too. And drive a motorcycle. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. You don't you can't look cool doing all of what he does in a station wagon. <laughs> Although he could probably pull that yeah, off For Daryl, I'm going to go with something that you've already alluded to, and that's this this hunger. I mean, every day is a survival thing. It's it, it, it's not handed to you on a platter. And so when I look at Daryl, I think this is a guy who is always hungry, not necessarily in the terms of food, but he, he's always looking to survive. And I think when it comes to starving the doubts, that's imperative is you have to just like that commercial of you know the the beer commercial. You got to stay thirsty, my friends. You got to stay hungry. <laughs> and there there are seasons when you're going to get discouraged, and there's seasons when you're going to want to give up. Gosh, yes. And we've seen that with Daryl. There's been times when Daryl wanted to just uh, you know give up, and he's upset whether it's his brother dying or uh, now I'm giving away the show. But <laughs> you know, there's been scenarios where he's lost someone or he's gone through something traumatic, and he's had to bounce back. Yeah. And I think that's hopefully an encouraging word is when we're starving the doubts and we're pursuing what we feel compelled to pursue and, and go for what we're being led to do. We have to face those times when, uh, man, we don't feel like it. And, and maybe you need a community kind of like Daryl has where he's got Rick and some of the others to kind of help him stay focused. We need a community that's going to encourage us. We need a plan, you know, and, and I think Daryl's a, a person who is hungry. He's pursuing survival and doing what he needs to do. And I think that, that applies to Star of the Doubts. You got to stay focused on what your goals are and you need to uh, have people that can help you out when you have those off days, but you need to really make yourself be hungry, make yourself stay, stick with the game. People quit too, way too soon and they don't get necessarily uh, the best results because they give up too quick. Yeah, that, I, I couldn't have said it better. I think that's very wise. And again, kind of going back to what we were alluding to a minute ago, that a lot of what we do is not life or death, but to our dreams, to our full selves, it can seem like that sometimes because, again, I know that I was pursuing what I now run a business where I help people uh, kind of start their projects, whether it's a passion project or some way for them to make money. And when I first started this about two and a half years ago, man, things looked up, things were going gangbusters. And I've said this on a, a previous episode of Star of the Doubts as well. But uh, my boss came to me and kind of saw my hustle and saw what I was doing while I wasn't at work. And he thought that that was interfering with work. And so he kind of, not so many words kind of told me that I needed to put the kibosh on what I was doing on the side because our our main boss, our, the guy that actually owned the company may not look too favorably on me kind of building a business on the side. <laughs> so when it, you know, having a family to take care of, I kind of had to make a decision whether Am I going to keep the day job that was uh, paying the bills or was I going to keep this thing that was a a dream and a a hope and what something that I wanted to make reality? Uh, So there for the near future, I kind of had to push pause on everything. But that was kind of the day where I decided that I'm, you know, the there's an end coming to my my day job there because the more that I would go into that job. And again, nothing about the people that I worked with. I, I thought that the work that I did was really honorable and I was helping people in their lives at that job. But it just, if from a perspective of I've only got one life 
And if I'm not doing everything that I want or need to do or feel like I'm called to do in my life, then then what am I actually doing here? So I knew that I couldn't like you were talking about earlier, I couldn't be hasty and just quit when he told me that and say, man, heck, heck with all that. I'm, I'm walking out of here. Uh, I had to be smart about it. But that was kind of the day that I decided that my days were numbered there because I've got a larger passion that I want to pursue. And even if I have to put on put it on pause and, you know, some of my buddies like Jared Easley and Pat Flynn or uh, John Dumas of watching them do their thing while I'm still going into my day job, it was tough to kind of swallow that pill every day. But I wanted to make sure that, that I could put the steps in place to where my reality became what I wanted it to be over time, even if I couldn't do it that day. No, Chris, that, that's really good. And I think that kind of ties into this next point of from The Walking Dead, we, we saw in this particular season, in season six, uh, depending on when you listen to this, Rick's son, and, and my mind's shooting a blank. What's his name? I, his name is... I is... can't think of it either. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm ashamed that I don't know his son. <laughs> I can only uh, think of this. Let's just look this up. What is it? Carl. Carl. There we go. Carl. 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 Laurie. Okay. <laughs> Carl. Yeah. Shame on me. Yeah. So, so Carl is uh, is in a scene where he actually loses his eye. He loses one of his eyes. And I think <laughs> the reason I bring that up is there are going to be times when you take your hits, you take your bruises, you lose something that matters. I mean, there's plenty of other scenarios in Walking Dead where people lost loved ones a battle they lost something uh they lost a friend whatever and daryl loses his eye or excuse me carl loses his eye and i think it started the doubts there's going to be times when you lose there's going to be times when it didn't work out and it's going to feel like you lost something substantial Mm -hmm. and and then you have to keep going and yeah and and so chris you just shared a really good story of what felt like loss. Is there any other specific example as you've you know, been working through some of these things where you've had to take what felt like a loss to keep moving on? Gosh. Well, before I answer that, I just have to say that you, the way that you were talking a second ago, it, you were talking about you have to take the good, take the bad. It sounded like you're, it sounded like you're doing it up. The facts of life. The facts of life. Yeah. You take the both and then you have the facts of life. Facts of life. <laughs> the walking dead. <laughs> That'd be a cool mashup to see. <laughs> Well, you know what? I I mean, again, we're not talking life or death here. So it, it, but that day having that conversation with my boss, it felt like a loss. It felt like that I was losing the ability to pursue my passion because of my larger call, which is to be a good provider for my family. And so that did feel like a loss. But since I've already kind of talked about that story, I'll I'll go back to uh, what brought my wife and family and I to Nashville, which was we got to a point living in Los Angeles after my wife did her time in the Air Force. She got out and was kind of working in the private sector, still kind of working with the, for the government or with the government, but doing it more in the private sector. And it was nice, man. I was able to, after you know finishing up with school out there, I was able to kind of live this Hollywood lifestyle. It was kind of like the married version of Entourage, where, where <laughs> you know I, I went home to a wife every night, and so there there weren't a lot of the late night parties in Hollywood. But you know, I was my life consisted of going to auditions and uh, getting roles and being in TV or small movies here and there, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. But yep. when uh, we found out that we were pregnant with our our son, things really started to change because it went from two people just kind of kind of flying the seat of flying by the seat of our pants out in Los Angeles, and you know, spending half the day in the grind and the other half at the beach kind of situation. It was a lot of fun, but we realized that when our son was coming, that it was time to kind of grow up a little bit 
and and become adults in that season because we were soon going to have someone who could not survive without us. And so that kind of began a process of about a year and a half where we realized that with Terry coming home to be with the baby and me uh, trying to do the best I could with making it work in Los Angeles on a struggling actor's uh, income uh, that you can never really figure out when the next paycheck's coming in because you don't know if you're going to get the next role or not. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where as much as we loved Los Angeles and loved that lifestyle out there, that a new uh, season was starting for our lives. One that with with kids coming along, uh, not long after our son uh, was born, our daughter uh, we found out we we're going to have a daughter as well. And so I realized that if I'm going to be a provider for my family, that I was a little bit too far behind the curve of uh, income and salary or, or whatever I was trying to do out there to actually make it work. And so we had to make a really difficult decision to move because one, we couldn't afford Los Angeles. And two, I really couldn't see uh, in the the following years, unless something just was kind of thrown in my lap that I could provide for my family by doing what I was doing. So from, you know, going from being a, a youth minister in Alabama to then pursuing acting in Los Angeles, I then realized that that season uh, was coming to a close too, because I just couldn't make it work. And so, man, when we moved uh, just outside of Nashville into Franklin, uh, which is one of my favorite places in the world, really love it here, but it just, it, it wasn't Los Angeles. And so for all those opportunities that I had to leave behind or potential opportunities that I had to leave behind. I really grieved that for a long time. And I, I, I bet the first year or two that I lived in Nashville, again, we found a great community, found a, some great group of uh, friends. And it was nice being a little bit closer to our family, being you know four hours or so from Alabama where we grew up. Uh, I still probably dealt with a good bit of depression, just leaving. Uh, I was really pursuing something that I thought was going to be my future and having to give up that dream to provide for my family. It was something that I was willing to do, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. And I remember chatting with you those first few years. And oh yeah. It was like you were grieving in a sense. Yeah. You were excited at the prospect of being able to do what was right and what was best for you and your wife and your son at the time. And but at the same time, you had let something go that you loved. Yeah. And wow, I can't think of a better example. That that is a good example. And that's just kind of how life is sometimes. That's part of starving the doubts. You got to let go of something that you think is good, but you do what you believe is the best thing. You're responsible. And we know that when you're a good steward of, of what God's given you, that God will bless yeah. that. And I see that in your life, Chris. And it may not always feel like a blessing, you know, on certain days, but I see how God's blessed you in being a good steward of what He's put in your life and how now you're starting to reap some of the harvest of that, but it's definitely been a challenging time, a wilderness season of sorts. But you know, that's part of the walking dead too, man. <laughs> you know, they, they have their wins and then they're right back into some other crazy thing. Absolutely. So, you know what that such a, such is life. <laughs> absolutely. I think that, you know, the minute that you think that everything is finally starting to calm down on the walking dead is kind of the calm before the storm. And I, you know, that really kind of ties into life as well. You know, if you'd have asked me 16 years ago, sitting in Alabama, that I would have lived half of my married life up to this point in Los Angeles and then the other half in uh, Nashville and getting to go from pursuing acting to now helping people pursue their dreams, it would have been 
a cool thing to think about, but I really wouldn't have thought that it would have been a reality. So if I had not left Los Angeles and kind of given up that pursuit, I wouldn't have been put in a situation where I really had to evaluate what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, which has led me to shovel cloud and doing what I do now. So it's really special to look back on it. But I heard somebody say one time that, you know, sometimes when you you can see just dark around you, when you finally get some time to look back on it, you'll just see that that was the outlining of the clouds, kind of the silver lining, so to speak, that it's hard to go through those scenarios. But when you get some time and some distance from the hard parts of life, you see that it was there for a reason. Chris, that's well said. So as we start to close up here, this is a new segment of the show. It's called Ask Chris. (laughs) (laughs) And and so what we're going to do is Chris is he's the person who's going to get to share advice. And so we're going to name a character from The Walking Dead, and you're just going to give that character some life advice based on what you know of them. You just share whatever you think is relevant to them and something that could be of help to them. We're going to start with Glenn from The Walking Dead. What advice do you have for Glenn, Chris? Glenn, <laughs> Glenn, you're an attractive guy. You've got a lot of things going for you. But the fact of the matter is you've got zombies around you on a daily basis or walkers. I'm sorry. Apologize. You've got walkers around you that are going for the jugular, literally. So protect your neck, protect your jugular, keep it safe. Maybe put an ascot around it, maybe a turtleneck, a dicky if you're feeling froggy, but you got to protect the neck, man. You know, if I, I just imagine Glenn sitting there listening to you hear that right now. And, and my first thought is he wouldn't be receptive to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> he would, he'd probably roll his eyes and be like, you know, whatever, man. You, you haven't been through what I've been through. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Glenn. Man, I- <laughs> All right. Uh, next up for Ask Chris is Michonne. What advice do you have for Michonne? Yeah, Michonne, I mean, you started out as kind of a bit player in this world, but now you become uh, someone who the show could not survive without. And I feel like that, uh, Michonne, you need to take care of yourself too. Again, I may talk to 10 of you today giving advice. But the mere fact of the matter is you may not wake up tomorrow because the minute you close your eyes, you're going to find yourself in a scenario where you have to fight for your life. So sleep with one eye open. Yeah. Or they might have to fight for the right to party. <laughs> All right. Got two more real quick. And then look who's just walked in. It's Carol. Oh, what Carol. It, what does you have for Carol? Oh, Carol. I mean, you've given us so many memories over the years. Again, you've, you've been with us pretty much from the beginning. And so I really appreciate you sticking around. You must have quite the, the zest for life to still be with us after all this time. So just keep doing what you're doing. Put some push-ups in there. You need to make sure that you are staying healthy. Eat when you can find some good food. You need to eat that good food and stay healthy because who knows what Frank Darabont's going to have you do next season. Uh, but it's going to be, it could be the end of you. So you got to live every day like it's your last. And Carol makes cookies for people, which uh, she's got a generous spirit, I feel. I, you so. know, she's a sweeter. She's a sweeter. She's a sweetie. She's a, yeah. You might get hashtag sweeter <laughs> on this episode from the tweeters. Okay. And lastly, uh, although he is, is no longer living, if you had advice for Herschel. Oh, Herschel. Gosh. I mean, I, I feel bad for Herschel because he had, again, he came in what I think is probably season two, season three. It looked like he had so much going for him. But it wasn't in the cards. He did what he could to to keep his faith and to keep himself going. But you know what? Sometimes at the end of the day, other plans come in and prevail. And in the I guess the the writers said that you weren't ready for more seasons here. So you had to leave us. But we really appreciate what you did. You kind of gave us some faith and you gave us a some inspiration there for a while. So thanks for doing what you did. But brother, we miss you. 
he left a legacy. We're still talking. He really did. And and maybe what we should do is, or maybe we could call up the the showrunners and tell them that Herschel needs to come back in some dream sequences to give us more advice and inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this concludes our lessons learned from the Walking Dead episode and a, a specific segment called Ask Chris. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks a lot, hey, man. Hey, brother. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. I think Daryl's a, a person who is hungry. He's pursuing survival and doing what he needs to do. And I think that applies to Star of the Doubts. You got to stay focused on what your goals are and you need to uh, have people that can help you out when you have those off days, but you need to really make yourself be hungry, make yourself stay, stick with the game. People quit too, way too soon and they don't get necessarily uh, the best results because they give up too quick. Yeah.